Thanks so much for joining us here on another episode of Crafter Radio. My name is Bernie Wagonblast. Well, perhaps one of the biggest landmarks in Cranford is found at the intersection of Springfield and North Union Avenues. Of course, I'm speaking about the First Presbyterian Church. It has been there since the 1800s, and I'm speaking with someone who has not been there from the 1800s, more like 2022, December of 2022, the uh, new pastor of First Presbyterian Church, Reverend Jin Bay. Reverend Bay, thank you so much for joining me here on Cranford Radio. Oh, I'm so glad to be here, Bernie. Uh, I'm really excited. As I've said before when I've done podcasts, the idea here is to introduce people to various folks around town, some that are known and some that are not known. You've only been here for a relatively short time, about seven months or so as we're recording this. So even people in the Presbyterian Church may not have had a chance to get to know you as well as you would like. But even for folks who are not part of the Presbyterian Church, I think it's important to know some of the clergy members who are in town and to understand a little bit of what they're doing and how they got here. So why don't we start off telling us a bit about your background? Where did you grow up? I understand it was on the West Coast. In 1974, actually August 1st, uh, you know, our family celebrates that day. I was eight years old at the time. And uh, we flew from uh, Korea to Los Angeles, LAX. And uh, that started my uh, journey in America as an eight-year-old. And yes, I grew up in Los Angeles, lived in a community that was mostly retired German folks, went to public school there, went to um, the college there, University of Southern California, uh, even went to seminary in Southern California, Fuller. You know, most of my life, early life, uh, was uh, spent in the West Coast. Why did your parents decide to migrate from Korea to the U.S.? In the 70s, coming to the U.S. was like going to heaven. For our family, my aunt had dated a American GI during Korean War. Mm-hmm. And so she actually was living uh, in Mississippi at the time. And uh, she contacted her older brother, which is my dad, and, uh, you know, said, hey, you know, why don't you come over and uh, see if this is something you want to do? And uh, my dad, you know, kind of went there kind of as a vacation, went to Mississippi, stayed with her. He hated it. (laughs) (laughs) He he did tell me that he he faced a lot of racism. I mean, this is, uh, you know, early 1970s in the in the South. He hated it. He uh, wanted to go back to Korea. But I think just one thing after another led because he came first mm-hmm. uh, in the 1972. And uh, somehow it resulted in us coming in August. And for us, it, it was like coming to heaven. I mean, that's how I you know, th- you know, talk about it. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. You were eight years old when you came to the United States. So obviously you were already going to school. You were talking. Did you know English when you moved to the United States? (laughs) I tell this story. In my uh, third grade, the teacher was Miss Yamashiro. I still remember her name. And uh, she wanted to kind of gauge where all the students are at, at different levels. And so she had a spelling test uh, with 50 words. And I got one and a half right. (laughs) I got no right. And I got half point on OK because I put O and K. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but 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 i gotta say i aced the math part 
Because it had no English, right? <laughs> now, what, what was it like for you as an eight-year-old? Did you go to public school when you moved to Los Angeles? I did. Uh, I went to a school called Hobart. You know, when you're eight, when you're in third grade, you don't think much, right? You're making friends and, you know, you're seeing white people for the first time. For one hour a day, I went to an ESO class uh, where uh, I sat down with a lady and we did some English uh, lessons together. But I think it was just a year, you know, by fourth grade, I was plugged in and uh, uh, we were doing well from there on. Well, that's pretty amazing that you were able to pick that up so fast at yeah at age and start to, to use English. Again, coming to the United States and learning English and, and all that that entails, what were some of your first impressions being in the United States? You said the idea of moving to the United States was like coming to heaven. Did that impression continue for a few years? You know, I think so. I mean, the, the early 70s in Los Angeles was fantastic. I mean, I grew up in a neighborhood where, you know, we left our car windows open, the doors were open, right? I mean, when you walk to school, people would pick you up and you didn't think about, you know, not getting in. Mm -hmm. You know, it was just a very safe and carefree time. Lived in a neighborhood where when cars drove each other, we said hello, right? We waved and <laughs> we blinked, right? You know, headlight just to say hello. For me, that's the Los Angeles I remember, not the Los Angeles now. I think that most uh, Americans, you know, that's lived in the 70s and 80s kind of say the same thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You mentioned that the neighborhood that you moved into, I believe you said a lot of German families. Yeah, right, right. Did a lot of retired any, Germans. Did you have any friends who were Korean as you were growing up? You know, wouldn't you know it? I uh, was actually a Buddhist. I shouldn't say I was a Buddhist. Uh, my mom put my name on the Buddhist role. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, sometimes parents would do that with baptizing their infants, right? Mm -hmm. My mom was Buddhist. She was a practicing Buddhist until she came to the U.S. And, and then life got too busy for her to look for some temple to go to. As for me, I didn't have any religion. You know, my older sister uh, met some Korean friends who uh, introduced her to church. And, you know, we would say that she became a Christian first. And as for me, I mean, I didn't have any Korean friends at all. Mm -hmm. uh, and so when my older sister introduced me to a church camp one summer, and she said that there are a lot of Korean kids there, I was like, oh, wow, really? So... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's how I got hooked into the church. <laughs> Interesting. You talked about going to, to USC, University of Southern California. Your degree was probably something that's totally unrelated to what you're doing today, electrical engineering. Why did you decide to go into that? And after you tell, tell me a little bit of why you decided to go into that, I'm curious why the switch to then eventually going into seminary? <laughs> Money. <laughs> Uh, in my senior in high school, you know, I walked by a career center and there was a little tag on the wall that listed the salaries of those who graduate from college, the initial salaries. And it was listed in order of lowest to the highest. The lowest was journalist. <laughs> I raised my hand. <laughs> uh, followed by architect bottom of it, uh, highest paying was electrical engineering. 
<laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I like to draw. And so, you know, and I like math and science. And so I thought maybe I wanted to be an architect. But seeing that low number, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I uh, dissuaded me. And so I went to electrical engineering purely for financial reason. Mm-hmm. Did you ever work in that field after graduation? No, you know, as I was interviewing in my senior year, you know, uh, we religious folks talk about being called to ministry. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what happened to me. I don't want to go into it because it's a very long story, but uh, God yanked me away from kind of the path that I had you know, set for myself. And obviously my dad was very supportive of me going into the engineering field and uh, got yanked away and went into ministry. So right after college, going through the interview process with engineering companies, I uh, let that go uh, in the middle of the process and uh, went to seminary instead. Just in terms of a timeline, you graduate, say, in May. Were you in seminary then, say, in September that same year? Oh, I know. It's fascinating because uh, I didn't even know what to do because, you know, no, you know, my parents aren't Christians. They became Christians later on. But, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't know anyone who's a pastor. And so I, um, you know, went to my pastor and said, hey, God's calling me to ministry. What should I do? And then he goes, oh, you know, go to the seminary nearby. And so I uh, called them and I said, hey, you know, how do I get in? And they said, well, the registration is over. Uh, you have to wait a year. And I kind of said, well, well, it'd be nice if I could get in. And so they actually put me in on a special category. Oh. So, so I, I was able to get into a seminary in September. Uh, so that worked out. Now, you talked about, you talked to your pastor. Was this a Presbyterian pastor that you talked to? No, this was, uh, uh, you know, I was saved in the Assembly of God Church. Okay. The, uh, the Presbyterian back uh, came in a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Uh, because my friend who's in seminary said, even though I'm an assembly of God, I uh, act and uh, I think like a Presbyterian. <laughs> and he was a Presbyterian, and he said that he acts and, and thinks more like an assembly of God. So that, that was kind of... <laughs> now, Fuller, they're not associated with any particular denomination, are they? No, they you know pride themselves on not being. But when I was going to school, they were categorized among the conservative uh, seminaries uh, with mm-hmm. a Presbyterian leaning. You said the Presbyterian side came in a little bit later. Were you still in school when you felt that you were going to be serving in a Presbyterian church? So I was serving in my home church, Assembly of God Church, through my seminary and beginning when I started a full-time position there. So I graduated from seminary in 92 to about 94. Mm -hmm. And then I went back to Korea to uh, obtain another uh, master's degree. I did that because, you know, a lot of the immigrants, uh, you know, we have identity crisis, right? We've got the hyphen on our title, Asian American or a Korean American. And so for me, I had a little bit of an identity crisis because I couldn't sing Bruce Springsteen's uh, Born in the USA. Uh, and so uh, I uh, went back to, I, I want to say God led me, but I mm-hmm. uh, went, went back to Korea in my eight-year-old third grade language mm-hmm. and uh, was able to, um, you know, uh, study in Korean 
in a master's program and, uh, you know, finished that in two years. So when I came back in 96, that's when I entered the Presbyterian church. And from there, it's been that. When you're back in Korea, did you know at that point that you would be coming back to the United States or was that still sort of a question mark for you? No, I mean, you know, I, I'm American. Uh, that's how I think of myself. I know that because uh, my culture and my way of thinking is so American that being in Korea was not very comforting for me. You graduate from the master's program in Korea. You come back to the United States. Tell me a little bit about what's going on at this point in your life. To be honest, like, you know, I did plan on returning, but at the same time, being in Korea as an English speaker was a very, um, it, it afforded me a lot of opportunities when I was there. So there was a desire from people around me wanting me to stay and kind of, you know, plant my roots a little bit. But I needed to come back to the States because I just felt like a foreigner in many ways. Even though I've got the skin, I've, you know, I look like them. I just knew that. I'll give an example of an accent that I had. I came here when I was eight. And so whatever Korean accent that I had was now a little bit more pronounced. And so when I went to Korea and I would take subways, buses, sometimes taxis, and I would get on the taxi and I would say, you know, I want to go certain, you know, I, I want to go somewhere. And the taxi driver will always say, oh, you're a foreigner. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's not a good thing because all of a sudden the route changes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I have to say, uh, after the two years that I was there, I, I sat in a taxi and I gave instruction and uh, I didn't get that comment. So I thought, oh, you know, maybe my accent <laughs> could have got better. <laughs> but. You know, I, I felt like a foreigner in many ways, and I mm -hmm. wanted to come back to my homeland, you know, and mm -hmm. uh, that's kind of, you know, how I feel. And when you came back to the U.S., what were you doing? So I uh, went into a Presbyterian church, uh, you know, the denomination that I got ordained that I'm working on. And I began by serving as a pastor to an English congregation in a large Korean church. And, you know, that's an immigration, immigrant uh, church reality for, you know, all the languages, right? So mm -hmm. you have the original language speakers, and then you've got the children who uh, speak English and they prefer to worship in English. And so I did that uh, as the start of, and then it's through that church that I was ordained into my denomination. And where was this church located? Again, Southern California. Okay. And obviously, you can explain this far better than I can. But for those who aren't familiar, the Presbyterian Church works on presbyteries that are geographically based in many cases. How did you end up in the Elizabeth Presbytery that includes Cranford from the West Coast? Were there steps in between? Now, it's called the Northeast Presbytery of New Jersey. Oh, okay. But yeah, of course, there were you know several steps in between. At the beginning of my ministry, moved me around a little bit. So I stayed at churches maybe three, four years. I would see it get established. You know, a lot of the churches that you go into, they're not perhaps, you know, smooth sailing. You know, there was a crisis or, or some difficulty. And I think for a couple of reasons. One, uh, I think I'm good at organizing mm -hmm. and putting things into order, uh, structuring. At the same time, I think God wanted to see me get experiences at different churches. But 
Uh, I've served three, four years, uh, I want to say, in Southern California. I've also been to Toronto, Canada. Uh, I've also served a church in Maryland. And uh, most recently, before I actually came here, I took a year off because my father was ill. But I served in uh, Bethany Presbyterian Church in Bloomfield, New Jersey, for 11 years. So then you were already at least familiar with the region and the presbytery that you were going to be serving in. From, yeah, from your experience but, in Bloomfield. Yeah, but I'll tell you, Bloomfield and Cranford are night and day. <laughs> well, we both have the Garden State Parkway running through, although in <laughs> Bloomfield's case, it's right through the middle of town. <laughs> that, that, that's true. That's true. The process of how a pastor is called to a particular congregation, again, it varies based on denomination. Tell me a little that's bit about that process and, and how you ended up in Cranford from Bloomfield? So like I said, you know, I uh, resigned from the church at the end of 2021. By this time, my dad, uh, his uh, Alzheimer had gotten bad. And so March of that year, uh, I was in Los Angeles to have him get transported by ambulance to a hospital. You know, I went there to do it because my mom, my older sister is in Los Angeles as well. But they just didn't have the heart to, you know, you know, have him go to the hospital. And uh, so I took on that role, uh, went to Los Angeles, you know, watched my dad get transported. I had to lie a little bit, right? Of course, he wouldn't want that for himself. I think I realized at the end of that, I, you know, needed to step away from being a pastor and be a, a son, you know, mm-hmm. focus on the family. And so I resigned at the end of December 2021 beginning 2022, you know, I was in Los Angeles uh, with my mom and visiting my dad at the hospital. You know, my dad, thankfully, to some extent, thankfully, God took him in June. Uh, And so the funeral was July, got connected with the the Cranford Church here, the First Presbyterian in August. And uh, it was a very quick process, visited in early November, And then in early December, you know, I'm here. Both the good and the bad. Give me some of your impressions of Cranford. It's only been since December that you've been here on a full-time basis. What are some of your impressions of Cranford? My literal words, you know, after I visited Cranford was, I felt like I was walking into a Hallmark Christmas movie. (laughs) Cranford gave that kind of a vibe. I really loved it, just walking through I was here when Cranford had the dogs dress up Saturday contest mm-hmm. in the corner. <laughs> and I saw the mayor of town judging that whole, you know, you know, wonderful spectacle. And I thought, oh, wow, what town does something like this? <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I, I fell in love with uh, Cranford right away. And one of the last questions I want to ask is, Cranford also has an active clergy council where ministers and rabbis and pastors from a variety of different houses of worship come together and can work together on various things. Perhaps one of the most prominent ones is the annual Martin Luther King service that's held in January, but there are other things that maybe aren't quite as prominent. Talk to me a little bit about that aspect of your work where it's not necessarily ministering to your congregation, but it's working with other clergy for the community. You know, I really value that aspect of our uh, town, that we've got a 
clergy association that gathers and it's not just a gathering, but we're doing something uh, as representing the faith committee for the town. And so in some ways, I'd like for us to do more of that. I was just walking the park uh, last night with my wife. And I just said to my wife, I said, you know, if everyone in town goes to church, you know, or the temple, man, you know, every house of worship we filled. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I think the clergy council is doing something wonderful. uh, And uh, I I would love to see it be a little bit more active, uh, be more engaging. But that one is to, you know, I have to see because I'm not the only one, right? Right. (laughs) (laughs) But at the same time, you know, being first Presbyterian and being right there at the center of downtown, you know, I know that we need to step up and do more. We uh, rang with uh, St. Michael's and the Methodist Church, the Juneteenth 19 bells. That, that was something nice too. Well, I want to thank you for being my guest. I think it's wonderful to get to learn a little bit about you, about some of the things going on in the Presbyterian Church, and to bring a fresh perspective because you you are brand new to town and you bring a different point of view and you can look at Cranford with fresh eyes that those of us who have been here for more than a few years perhaps don't have that that opportunity. So thank you for doing that. Oh no, you know that you know I'm very thankful to be here. I think one of the things that I really enjoyed when I was interviewing with the church, I think in the back of my mind, I was thinking if someone mentioned my Asian American background, if they saw me not as a pastor but as an Asian-American pastor, I may have stepped away from the call because right now our society is labeling everyone everything, right? And, mm-hmm. and they put us into little pockets. I want to reject that. I want to be a fellow American and I want to be a fellow Christian. And I don't want to be put into boxes where boxes identify me and label me before they got to know me. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that's the want of everyone, right? The search committee has not gone that way. You know, didn't go that way. I was very appreciative. And uh, coming to this town, and I love my congregation because no one has come to me to talk about my Asianness. They just have accepted me as as their pastor, their spiritual leader. So I'm just, I'm just really having a wonderful honeymoon time. I want to thank you, Pastor Bay, for being my guest here on Cranford Radio. We've been talking on this episode of Cranford Radio with Pastor Jin Bay from the First Presbyterian Church of Cranford. Pastor Bay, thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much, Bernie. This is delightful. Thank you.